Hey guys, and welcome back to the show for episode 48 of the Skullcast. Regular crew here. We are mostly here to talk about uh, Volume 9, uh, continuing our reread project. 335, episode 335 also hit uh, since the last time we were here, and we're also going to kind of start the show with that. I just can't see us taking up the bulk of the episode with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I only have like five things to say about it. It's a very visual episode. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there, but, um, how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm kind of just dominating already. Well, I'm, I'm all right. I mean, like I said, I just came back from a short vacation, so feeling pretty good. Cool. Yeah, uh, Griff, I'm doing good. I got your invitations. To yeah. Your, oh, cool. Uh, Wedding. Is that happening later this month? Uh, it is happening later. It's not this like month. It is. that's not like June 2015. That's June 2014. No, that is not is next like year. That is yes. <laughs> wow. So where's your headspace right now? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's just you know busy. Yeah, sure. I remember. I was actually pretty calm the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I feel that way too. Everyone asks, like, there's sort of the expectation, <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, you must be really going crazy. It's like, nah, I'm just normal. Yeah, it's a, it's a women that get crazy about the shit, you know. Yeah. Like, the guy just, you know, goes along with the ride. I, I wish it was that was that were the case, but for my wedding, I had to do a lot of hands-on prep for the site. Because we didn't have enough hands, so the morning of the wedding, me and my friends, my enemy, best You're building, man, you know, the stage. We're, we're literally out there, like, <laughs> like sleeves rolled up, like moving farm equipment and shit, like most of the morning. <laughs> but other than that, it was a pretty smooth affair. Huh. Well, anyway, uh, we'll get on with the show. Um, it was kind of a weird uh, episode, at least from our end, in terms of getting the episode. You know, normally what happens is the episode will leak early. I mean, some people don't realize that, but the episode usually comes out, you know, a couple of days early before it actually hits newsstands. And by around Friday or so, we're able to translate a little bit enough to get an idea of what's being said on the page. Uh, and that's thanks to, you know, the fact that some of our members, namely Puella, uh, translates and can translate Japanese. Well, the leak was Chinese. Which threw everyone for a loop because no one knew what the fuck was going on, uh, textually a- a- until, you know, the Japanese edition came out and then we got kind of an, of an idea of what was being said. And that, that's the, the first time that's happened in the 100, almost 200 episodes that I've been following the series. I can't recall a time uh, that that's happened that way. I think it's Chinese right, happened first. Time. Chinese first? Before. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like Chinese first. It's some guys in China. Got a hand, a hang of uh, young animal, well, and they just, course. you know, yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah, it's happened before. I, I remember it. The thing is, you know, like it happened like that. But you know, we got uh, Japanese, you know, uh, how to say, original, you know, not long after that. You know, it's yeah. the first time that it happens like that, and you know, there's no Japanese original, you know, uh, available, you know, shortly thereafter. But yeah, it happened before. I remember a few, okay. a few times, you know, like I, a few occasions. Well, I mean, I can't recall being placed in limbo for so long uh, in terms of a su- lack of a summary. But that being said, I-, I think for the most part, this episode kind of speaks for itself uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I didn't find anything too textually significant, although there is certainly some great things being said. I just think there's no huge revelations here. You know, uh, it's all it's kind of a, it is a spectacle for the most part. And, and kind of Rickert taking in everything is, is the yeah. of the episode. So. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's sort of, I mean, people were sort of looking at this episode like the, oh, Rickard and Griffith are going to talk, and it's like, well, it's actually sort of on the way to them talking, because it would have been actually really weird to just skip to that and not cover the throne room and what goes on, you know, in his court and everyone that's there in their role. So I think on that level, it's like expectations were were a little skewed for what would be in this episode. Sure. Yeah. I, I was more excited about actually seeing the sights. And uh, I guess, you know, well, you know, I got what I wanted this time, you know. What I was going to say was that you weren't sure that they were going to meet in that way because Griffith has bigger things. He doesn't necessarily yeah. have time set aside to meet up with this, you know, former comrade. And that's exactly what happens here. You know, Rickard arrives and he screams out, oh, Griffith, you know, and Owen tells him to back <laughs> off for a minute while he's he's busy serving the people, you know. And that's it's, yeah. it's an indication of his role is so much bigger and more central to everyone. You know, people share Griffith now. He has a larger purpose than just a commander of troops. You know, he's he's the center of political, religious, and military power in the, in the yeah. Falconia. And that's not to mention that uh, Rickard is, uh, is very privileged here, I think, you know. Like, it's not like any any guy can get, you know, to meet Griffiths, you know. They're all very, you know, they almost defer to him, you know. Like, uh, I'm thinking about the way Owen, you know, talks to him. And it's actually, it's funny, you know, to see how to say, the expectation Owen has and uh, Rickard's reaction, you know. Uh, actually, when I, when I saw it, I, I found it's almost like Owen is brainwashed, you know. Like mm. he he was there, like he knew Griffiths back back in the day, you know, but the way he talks to Rickert and the way he seems to view Griffiths, it's like I don't know. It feels like you know he's been you know he's been taken in, like you know the people you know who see you know Griffiths performing miracles and stuff like that, you know. And uh, I don't know. I get the feeling that he's become you know like quite fervent, if you mm. if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know well, what you I mean, guys think. It it kind of makes sense that he would. I mean. You know, because it's not like they can prove it's tricks or anything, you know? So, I mean, oh, if, yeah. yeah, so it is, I mean, it is real. So, I mean, I mean, it makes sense that he's sort of a true believer and that he's bought into it, you know? But I guess, but, uh, Raven yeah. had more of a, like, yeah, I don't understand how all this is happening kind of attitude. He was just a little, you know, more skeptical, skeptical by nature, it seemed. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it's just a fact that he's completely accepted it and it's like, it feels like he doesn't ever remember a time where Griffiths was just, uh, where you Griffith know, wasn't like dear leader, you know, raising yeah. the souls of the dead. <laughs> yeah, he was just an upcoming, you know, general and, you know, how to say, he was, he was good, but he was just a man, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels like he's forgotten about that. So it, it was pretty funny to see, you know, I, I mean, at least that's the, the vibe I get from him. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say was he's responding to Griffith. As he is now, he's kind of, it seems like he's forgotten or at least is not placing what he's seeing in context with knowing Griffith as a human or as a man when he was just a common, you know, general in Midland. Whereas Rickard, that's the, that is Griffith to Rickard, you know, right now. He does not, he's not, he doesn't know him as the man who manipulates spirits after the battlefield. You know, that's not the Griffith that he knows yet, you know, so. Yeah, he, he's more pragmatic. And there's another thing, you know, like, like you said, Walter, we get a sense of how big the place is, you know, through Rickard's eye, you know, the giant walls and stuff like that. And, you know, he comments on how the the castle is, you know, doesn't quite fit with the city, you know. And, and I think it's a, you know, it's nothing much, but it confirms the suspicion we had 
I think we talked about this previously that, you know, while Geyser City was brought back from Oblivion, you know, the giant fortress, the walls, the castle itself is something that was, it's a new addition, you know, that was made, you know, tailor made for Griffiths himself. Yeah, grafted on astrally, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, one of the couple things I wanted to talk about visually, of course, is, you know, I did, I've always wanted to see these walls close up, uh, since the first time we saw them. I, we weren't quite sure what they were, you know, other than the things that are sticking out, the pointy ends of the wall. We get them in almost full relief here, and there's this fantastic shot, uh, perspective of Rickard looking up from really, you know, far down and seeing yeah. every, everything in perspective is just, it's just so gorgeous and towering, dominating. I'm still wondering about the honeycomb, you know, design, you know, it's, it's a, I wonder what it's all about. If it's just, you know, like for the, the you know, the architecture itself or if it's ever a purpose or something of the sort. I don't know, but my, my, I mean, my first thought was that it was little, you know, towers for archers, but there's a shitload of them. It's just impractically yeah. too many of them, you know, for that to be well, that. Well, when they have to kill everyone in the city, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to need that many archers. The thing, yeah. though, is that it does look like it's an extraordinary stronghold, you know. I mean, you know, you, we see many shots of it. It seems like, you know, it's impregnable. It's very the defensive, you know, aspects. Like, you know, you see there's bridges that can be, you know, how to yeah. say, removed. If you pull that yeah. drawbridge up, there's just no way inside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just looks like yeah. a, a bottomless pit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's, you know, there's these holes through which, you know, how to say, burning oil can be, you know, spilled. You know, that's holes they did it back in the day. You know, they would pour, you know, boiling oil and then set fire to it. And there's there's even a guard, you know, post through which Ricard has to pass. There's, you know, all these things, you know, it seems, you know, like, how to say, it's uh, it's an overload, you know, it's like too much, you know. So, yeah, this might actually be for defensive purposes, you know. It's it's part of what uh, I was wondering. It's very it also, fascist for Utopia. <laughs> yeah. And it makes you wonder, you know, seeing all these defenses, seeing all the, the, the thought, quote-unquote, put into the design of the defenses, it makes you wonder, you know, what threat at, at this layer was it, prepared for i mean because to, to get to this point you'd have to go through the city you have to raid the city get past the giant walls first then go through the city then get to this point after all the buttresses and everything it's like what threat is it trying to defend against like yeah. what was it designed for and, and you know what i was reminded about actually i was re- reminded about gigento Machia, you know when thinking that exact same question like what kind of what would be a threat to something like this and the only you know thing i can think of is a giant being, you know, like maybe not something like Ganishka because he was probably even taller than the city, but you know, yeah, I mean something, I don't know, maybe to defend against dragons or some 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 bigger thing, but yeah, it's completely disproportionate, you know, compared to a human threat. Yeah, and it almost feels like it's almost just out of old habit, like, you know, if you're going to make the greatest, you know, sort of like medieval city in the world, it has to have like the best defenses even <laughs> though like it's it's over the top, it's far too much. It doesn't yeah. look like anything anyone could mount an attack against just from the outside walls. Yeah, and it doesn't even look like medieval at all, you know. I mean, I've yeah. said so before, but to me it has a completely futuristic vibe. Like, you know, it has holes through which you can pour oil, but it might as well have, you know, lasers or something of the yeah. sort. You know, it's, it's completely, I mean, yeah, this thing it wouldn't be out of place in, you know, any kind of science fiction story. 
Well, also, do you think the the bird motif is present enough? You know, the the tiles oh, yeah. on the floor are feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The pillars yeah. are like spinning <laughs> bird wings. You know, it's just it's, yeah. you know, it makes you want to puke. <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually the things that I don't know struck me most. Is like you know, not only the pillars are like that, but even the slabs of stone. You know, the tide, everything <laughs> is you know a feather motif or a falcon motif. It's it's crazy actually. It's a you know again, it's uh, completely overwhelming. You know, they just yeah. it's too much. While we're talking about the iconography here, and obviously the feathers and everything, on page, I think it's four and five, uh, it's as Rickard's passing through the guard post area. Yeah. There's a shot as he's walking <laughs> under these, like, c- circular-looking things. Yeah, it's and- what I was... So it's what I meant, you know, the things, I think I think that's meant to be for defenses process as well, you know, stuff you can pour oil through. You think so? I don't... I, yeah. I, I, I see those... Uh, if you look at the previous shot, there's a two pager with the falcons everywhere. Yeah, uh, you see some more slats that that would make sense for oil. But you're saying that one central thing on the, at the top of an art of the arc would be for yeah. oil. Well, there's three of them. You know, you see it's just yeah. in front of the gate. So if you close the gate and there are attackers, you know, outside, I think you yeah you just pour oil on top of them. That's where you know, like traditionally in the castles, that's where these things used to be. But uh, I don't know; it could be also for arrows or for anything of the sort. But I, I think it's a defensive. You think you it's know. for oil, but because this is the futuristic city, it just shoots like cannonballs or fire. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Actually, it might as well be cannons, you know. But uh, what 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 did you think? You know, it was for you know, Walter. I'm curious. Well, I'm, I thought it was a design element. I thought it was supposed to be. It could be could have been the eclipse. Oh well, you know, I, I mean. It could be boss, you know. It can be a design element that's also used, but I yeah. think I think it's uh, definitely meant to be a defensive, you know, how to say apparatus. I don't know and exactly. It's, you know, it's also it could... being highlighted, which is interesting because I mean right. they have a panel yeah. with Ripper walking under it, and he's very low on the bottom, and they are very prominent. Like you just can't yeah. miss. Them. So I mean, it's, it's letting you know. It's also like... a, it's a gloomy shot too. Like the lighting yeah. Up yeah. makes it seem very. It's formal. like you know, it's this wonderful. Yeah, the big shot of the big white beautiful city, and then you have this one dark gloomy shot, like you said, where it's like, well, you know, they're they're ready for something. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. And it's, it's for why I picked the eclipse out of all the possible iconography is because you know, Geyseric's insignia also seem to allude to the eclipse. But you know, there's a fact. You know, like if you see on that shot, you know, there's like. Uh, on the outside, there's one, you know, central mm-hmm. hall. But then as we see a shot of, you know, Rickert walking in, you see that each, you know, I don't know how to say each, you know, uh, you know, we pair of wings as they reach up, they each have a hole. So it's like, you know, the whole interior has holes like that. That's what made me think of it as a defensive, you know, apparatus, yeah. you know, specifically for oil, because that means you can, you know, if somebody were to attack and to walk under that, you could just, you know, drench them in oil and set fire to it with yeah. arrows or stuff like that. So that's, that's what gave me this idea. And I think if it were to represent the eclipse, there would be just one, you know, and like not a series of them, but that's uh, a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I also like that this episode, you know, we talk about all about iconography, but kind of like the chief, you know, part of that is this giant statue, this elaborate statue that uh, the pontiff is sitting and standing in oh, front yeah. of. Yeah, the, the altar. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Griffins and Griffins and the, yeah. I mean, it's the cloud imagery as if it's like soaring upward to the clouds and yeah. it's being wrapped yeah. around by. You know, the, the spiral design that we've seen multiple times before. The, There's it, multiple yeah. sets of wings, it feels like, either, you know, curled up or, you know, sticking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I think it's uh, it's pretty gaudy, you know. 
Oh yeah. God, yeah. Particularly it's, it's, with the the rays of light coming out of the sun, like yeah. upwards, it's like whoa. It's it's very tacky, but you know, there's one thing is a. Uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but that shot where we see it from afar, you know, I find, you know, I find the what says symbolism to be pretty telling. Like you see, the the falcon is rising out of something that looks like a, a broken shell, you know, like mm-hmm. like of a neck, you know, and I think that could be, you know, like a reference to, you know, uh, Femto's birth or even, you know, the yeah. Bay Herit Apostle and the, you know, what says the incarnation, and you know, the even the cloud mass when you see it from afar, it's. Even, you know, a bit reminiscent to me of the pillar, you know, during the eclipse with the faces on it. Hmm. Uh-huh. I don't know if you guys, you guys can see it, but I don't know. I, I found. No, the... I mean, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it definitely will, like, it's sort of, it has like an ugliness to it that, you know, yeah. you can see that, you know, I mean, like, it's supposed to, on the one hand, it's clouds, but on the other hand, it's like there's something, you know, it looks sort of malformed, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. it's, it's pretty, and, uh, yeah, mostly it's just, you know, like the, the wings at the bottom, you know, there's some kind of, you know, onion-like, you know, thing. The falcon is rising, you know, out yeah. of, and uh, I don't know, I, I found it to be pretty reminiscent of that, you know, egg, you know, broken egg, you know, thing. So, yeah. Also, of course, you know, the biggest change is, it's a, the specific motif of the falcon has changed now. Now it's yeah. like, as if the falcon, what once before was an idea of a savior is now the physical embodiment. Like it's now come to life, you know, so it's more detailed, it's more nuanced. There's, you know, more contours to her as if it's real. Well, as if Griffith is, is the real representation of the Falcon, you know. This would Back. be like if Jesus came to your church, you know, and was like exactly. doing the, <laughs> leading the mass. I mean, it's just bizarre. But actually, you know, yeah, I, I really wonder about that change in the symbol, you know. I wonder if it foreshadows something or because you know why change it, and it uh, it feels less, I don't know, harmonious to me now. You know, maybe oh, more aggressive. Looks, yeah, of course, yeah, it's sharper more aggressive. Yeah, the angles, you know, like the base is more. I don't know how to say. It looks like more thick, and then the wings and the edges are like more like a blade. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, it feels more aggressive somehow. And I wonder if it foreshadows something, or you know, I don't think. Hot says the previous symbol was fine. You know, so I wonder yeah. if that change is you well, know. I, I think it hints at something, you know. The original, uh, the original symbol actually looked like a dove or an actual, you know, like piece of religious iconography. Whereas this new one, it looks like a staff she could stab you with. <laughs> points yeah. on the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's actually hers is even more, you know, I'd say more aggressive than the the symbol on the altar. You know, it's even more like. I don't it know. It looks like uh, a batarang or something. I mean, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, you know, or like a claw, something like it's like it's almost a yeah. trident, actually. Speaking of Sonya, the uh, you know, once again, we're seeing the circular design on her little uh, helmet or hat, hat, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, you know, once again, I kept hoping we would see some kind of indication of is this the orb? Of course, probably not. You know, at this point. Well, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it could refer to. I think it could refer to it. You know, like mm-hmm. it might. No, no, I'm sorry. What I meant was, is this scene taking place? You know, I was hoping this episode oh, would, would provide that answer. You know. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I, I don't think so. We're. T- I think we're too shallow in the palace to to be seeing it at this point. Yeah, actually, I think this is. You know, like this isn't. You know, anything like it's just the hall where they do these. You know, funerals or stuff like that. You know, but it's nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's nothing well, specific. What's weird about it is you can't even see the walls. It's so large. I mean, you just see in the background. Yeah. You either see what's supposed to be shadow or light. You know, but it's like you don't actually see like any. You know, anything on the walls or walls themselves. And it's like, is it just? It feels kind of endless. 
Yeah, it feels huge, and I think you know it's going to be a, a recurrent motif with this you yeah. know fortress. Is that it's fucking fucking big, you know, like even the, the the pillars, you know, they seem to be going on, you know, endlessly, you know, to the horizon. So, and I mean, it could even be, and this is just you know pure speculation, but I mean, if there is some astral element to this part of the city like maybe it doesn't fit you know in a twofold way like maybe it could be endless you know you could just keep finding halls and things or it can be as large or as small as it needs to be yeah who knows it's possible you know it definitely I'd say definitely feels you know I'd say surreal so you know yeah. there, might, there might be some you know uh, supernatural element to it coming back real quick to the uh, Falcon statue Wrong. We see Griffith appear, you know, basically in front of it. And does he not get a little self-conscious that the thing is representing him? Like, oh yeah, that giant thing, that's me. Yeah. That's well, me. I mean, no more than Thanks. he is about the floor representing him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the floors, the cities, the walls, you know. Yeah. With all the Falcon imagery and wing imagery on his own armor, if he just stands still anywhere in Falconia. He can just blend could, right in. I mean, he yeah. could yeah, actually. That's a funny. Maybe he's, this is all defense, you know. So when Gus <laughs> comes looking for him, he's just going to flatten up against the wall. And yeah. He won't be able to see him. He'd yeah. pretend to be a statue, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. There probably is a room with just twenty statues of Griffith, so he could actually do that. Just stand very <laughs> still. Uh yeah, it was um. What if he I decided was... to change his symbol to the lion? That would just ruin, you know, oh, wow. the Snoop entire lion. city. Yeah. <laughs> Snoop, Snoop Falcon. You know, uh, I was one... interested. Go ahead, Zil. I was just going to say uh, one thing about Sonia. You know, I find it interesting that her role is no like official. You know, she's been oh, in, yeah. fully integrated into the church. You know, yeah. as you know, the official medium of the Falcon or something like that. So, you know, I, I found it interesting to to see that she has found her place. You know, it's also one of the things before she was considered, she was almost an outcast, you know, when we were first introduced to her. Yeah. And uh, now she's, you know, like she's among the, the I wouldn't say rulers, but she has a, a higher role. So it's, it was pretty now interesting. Now she can start like persecuting that. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It, yeah, this, I, I, we shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised to see her raised in that way, given her importance and given the fact that she's almost always, you know, among Griffith's right hand people, you know, wherever he goes prior to this. So it makes but sense. I, that yeah, she I didn't have an expectation. Up. No, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't expect that she would become so tied to this order. You know, I, I always yeah. saw her as being someone acting on the outskirts, particularly, you know, given her conversations with Shirke and, Isidro, I never. I always saw her as being one of the people on the outside looking in, but obviously I not always, the case. I always you know? thought it would be more behind the scenes. Like she would be the real power, like at Griffith's, mm-hmm. you know, right hand, but that she wouldn't be so, you know, canonized, you know, where it's like, you know, she's this public figure mm-hmm. that everyone but, sees. It would be more like someone who, like, oh, she's got powers and she works, you know, she works them, you know, in her own way. But it's like, no, she is, you know, front yeah. and center. She's not the part of the shadow cabinet. She's just, you know, the actual, you know, f- you know, front figure of the of the organization. I actually think, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, like, she, it's like a trinity with him, the Pope, and her. Griffin. Yeah, she she might she might as well, you know, take the place of the of the pontiff. You know, eventually, if he dies, you know, like it, it could be the case. But you know, I actually wonder what how she feels about it. You know, I, I have the feeling she, let's say, she doesn't regard, you know. 
that whole, you know, policy business very, you know, would say she doesn't take it very seriously or doesn't regard it very highly to me. But now it's like, but now it's the Griffith business, you know, and she does, you know, have feelings, yeah, you know, strong true. feelings for that. So it's like, so now it's like it's one and the same. So maybe yeah. that's why she's still, she looks like, I think she's being genuine. She looks like she's a true believer too. It's, I mean, it's interesting that she's, you know, been canonized like this and that, yeah, she, you know, while she probably wasn't a big believer in the Holy See and all that, I mean, now that it's sort of become one with the cult of Griffith, you know, I don't see yeah. her having any problem, you know, going along and, you know, leading that charge. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah, she's always been a fan of Griffith, so she probably, it's a good point, you know, she would uh, most likely, you know, go, uh, you know, go along with that kind of stuff as long as it benefits him. I was actually surprised in this episode, one of the biggest surprises I had was how prominent the religious order still is. And I mean, maybe this is just naive on my part, but I figured once things beyond, you know, human reason started appearing, it's like, it's like, it's like when aliens appear, what the hell role does a religion have once things start contradicting, you know, uh, the religious order? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's well explained in this episode, actually. You know, like he talks about the you know uh, divine right of kings, you know, or you know, in this case, it would be you know kingship for Griffiths. You know, the thing is, you know, how to say these people, supernatural stuff has been happening. You know, they you know how to say might not have been completely unaware of the possibility but they didn't expect it to happen like that the world has changed and now you know monsters from stories are back and so I think you know it's a, a way for the people to keep a co- cohesion you know like Griffiths you know does many you know extraordinary things and it just so happens that he fits perfectly with you know the religious beliefs that were installed you know for centuries you know in the people so even though it doesn't exactly fit you know those beliefs it's you know so close that they can you know all relate to it and uh it's a way i think it's a way for them to just to keep a cohesion and to what say to be able to accept these things you know like if griffiths if, if there hadn't been you know a cult like that in the first place and griffiths just started appearing and doing all these things they might have had a a harder time to, you know, get used to it. But since it fits into, you know, pre-established beliefs, then it's all the easier for them to buy into it and to just follow it and to accept that Griffiths is a, you know, like his legitimacy as a king, as a ruler is beyond just, you know, what, you know, a political marriage with Charlotte or anything like that could have, could have been, you know, like Nobles Alliance. He's, he's a king, you know, because, you know, like he's been chosen by God, you know, pretty much. He's, I think that's what this episode is about, you know, is that yeah. his, you know, power is absolute and his legitimacy is, you know, beyond arguing. Well, it's like his legitimacy is almost beyond Charlotte's, you know, he is, you know, yeah. Yeah, he is this divine ruler, whereas, you know, she's, a, you know, hers is like an accident of blood, you know, and everything, whereas like, he has been put here by, by yeah. God to rule. Yeah, and pretty it's, much. It's interesting what you say about, you know, the cohesion, and yeah, like, if he didn't have this to fall back on, if he hadn't, you know, sort of, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, I see it as sort of like a con, you know, the way, you know, you're having people cling to their old religion, but you have now become synonymous with it. Otherwise, he would just be another one of these magical things, you know, they were questioning, you know. It, yeah. You know, when all the apostles transformed, is he one of these monsters? Is he like that? And it's like, well, no, because he's the the head of our religion, you know, just like he always, you know, was the symbol of it, you know, even though he really wasn't, you know, before. So it's, 
it's sort of this really great like con that, like you said, it creates cohesion, but it's you know co- it, they're clinging to their religion, but they're also clinging to Griffith. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you know, like there's this apostle and stuff, but all that can be explained. You know, like the great, you know, leader can tame the monsters and stuff like that. It can explain everything. And uh, like you said, now you know, like before, you know, Charlotte would have, would have you know, how to say, brought him legitimacy, but now she's actually the one who is almost, you know, who should almost be considered lucky to to be with a, a, a guy like yeah. that, like you know, so. But yeah, all of this is, like you said, it's, it's a, a big con so that the people can be pacified and accept things without questioning it, you know. And it's yeah, a, something, something comfortable. Yeah, it's very clever actually because, you know, they're given all these things and they just, you know, like I said, you just look at Owen. You know, he's so readily accepted it. He knew Griffiths before. He, he knew he was a guy who started out as a mercenary leader, you know, and rose through the ranks and stuff like that. But now, He's a great leader, like, you know, the godly, you know, being, so, and he doesn't question it, and nobody questions it. And so, I think, yeah, it's, Wasn't this, wasn't this guy a traitor, and thrown in a tower? And, <laughs> yeah, like, didn't, didn't we kill him, you know, and, uh, but no, no. we tortured him to death or something, or he got away, I don't remember. <laughs> we also hunted down all of his friends in a big field, and shot Didn't we send that monster guy after him? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so the thing is, you know, they've all accepted it, and, uh, and I think that's what this episode's, you know, point is, is that, you know, Griffith's rule is beyond what, you know, it could have ever been before, and, and all these things have been manipulated in order to achieve that effect. That big con, you know, you know, Charlotte, the nobles, you know, the Holy See, all of these, you know, factors into it to make him a leader for all of humanity that is, you know, beyond, you know, how to say, like, there's no resistance, you know, like there was for Ganishka. Yeah. He could have, you know, Griffiths could have conquered it. And, you know, we've heard for many years people on the front saying, well, why does he bother with this? He could just, you know, <laughs> kill all of them with the apostles. Yeah, but that's not the point. That's not what, what he wants, you know. What he wants is to rule, you know, for people to accept it, to be sheep, you know, to be pacified, to be lemmings, to just, you know, jump off the cliff when they're told and to sit <laughs> in the house and do what they're told. And, and that's what this is achieved, you know. There's no resistance Nobody is, you know, against it. Well, I mean, there might be, who knows, you know, maybe Daibaz up to something. But, you know, the point is, you know, as far as we know, everything goes according to plan and, you know, all of the people are under control. Well, what's uh, what's funny about that is, uh, let's see, I just had a point that flew out of my, flew right out of my head there. Well, while you're focusing on it, um, yeah. more than reinforcing it, it, it also, you know, would be no, there would be, there would be no question, there would be no question of, it's reinforcing his rule for the future as well. If anything could become suspect, they're so tied closely to Griffith, then why would they question the word of God or God's chosen one? You know, you know, more than simply allowing him to seize the throne, this reinforces his rule for the future. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remembered my point as well, which was that it's like that it's overkill in a lot of ways too, and that I feel yeah. like that might be purposeful. You know, I mean, just in everything, it's the, you know, the feather. Like, uh, tiles are symbolic for the fact that this is, you know, you know, people were right when they said, well, he already has the juice to take over and he could just rule it like a normal ruler. You know, he could have just, you know, taken over Wyndham. He could have taken it back from the Cushions and married Charlotte and set himself up as the king. But this is like on a, such another level, like the God hand realization of his dream, you know, which before he would have just become a king, he would have been a man who was the king, you know, with the, with a queen, and now it's just, you know, it's this ridiculously obscene, you know, 
sort of realization of that where it's like even the tiles on the floor, you know, represent him. And he is both the head of, you know, the secular and religious, you know, ends yeah. of and everything is symbolic of him, you know, every, you know, like uh, even Sonia's hat is, you know, this ridiculous feather, you know, motif that represents him. And so, yeah, it's sort of the overkill obscenity of, you know, how much his dream is like completely taken over the world. Yeah, and and the the fact it's uh it's so overkill, like you said, might also what say implies that it's a it's meant to be a, a fail safe plan, you know, like everything is so overkill, everything is so overdone, you know, that it might be uh, because you know, like you say, on purpose by design, you know, like maybe the idea of evil and the the gold hand and everything they've planned it so that. You know, what to say, it can't fail, you know, they can't, nothing yeah. can go wrong. It's like, you know, if it was just the king, maybe there would be an uprising, maybe who knows a revolution, whatever, you know, they want democratic stuff. No, this has been done in such a way that there's no choice. You know, right. the only choice is to adhere to, you know, the cult, to be in Falconia because the outside world is, you know, impossible to live, you know, in anymore. Yeah. So they they have no choice. Everything was planned for. Everything was taken into account. And like I said, it's a, it's a plan that that can't fail. You know, like the, the, everything has been you know sort of. And I and I feel like it even it it's even more you know sort of sinister. Like it has to be like it's building towards something even bigger because like I feel like he already could you know he couldn't fail from the moment he marched into that you know Kushin camp you know and they tried to shoot him with arrows and they all yeah. missed. Yeah, in you shed, know, yeah. And it's, it's like he, it's not like, even if there were rumblings, even if like there were nobles that didn't accept him, if he had become king in a, just a, an average way, that, you know, they couldn't have killed him. They couldn't have assassinated him and, you know, like thrown him, overthrown him. So this, so there's something, you know, just weird that why it has to be so pure in yeah. building in this direction. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that ties up to what I said in the thread and what we haven't mentioned yet in this episode is the fact you know, we see him, you know, doing the, you know, the bringing back spirits, you know, seeing again, you know, where he just, you know, takes some souls who are in the, the astral world and brings them back so that they can see their loved ones, you know, and you, you have, you know, I'd say some, uh, expositions that explain that, you know, the, the, the bodies of the dead are, you know, enshrined in the castle, you know, for a while, you know, when they arrive. And so, all these things, you know, it makes me think that it's not just, you know, control of the living, you know, but it's also control of the dead, you know. And, uh, and yeah, that's a, a thought I had in, uh, when I read it is that it might be the ultimate, you know, goal. The fact they are, you know, trying to break up the natural cycle of people dying and just going to back into the great ocean of souls. But, uh, maybe, maybe they're storing them up or, you know, they are, you know, up, you know, exerting some kind of influence on the dead, you know, but, yeah, that's something I, I think I sort of. The other thing, you know, the kind of counterpoint to all this talk you guys are having about basically, obviously humans have no choice. And obviously the world that Griffith is giving to them is pure and seemingly perfect. But that's not the emotion that the God Hand and the uh, Vortex thrive on. You know, where's that yeah. other other half? Where's the other pendulum going to come from? Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, that's where and, I feel I like it's gonna it's gonna swing back, you know, in a real bad way at some point. It's like they're going all the way over in the other direction as far as possible, and it's just gonna come back that much harder. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's gonna be. I don't think Falconius citizens are necessarily going to be the sh- the sheep to go to the slaughter. I mean, it, it's possible. I, I think what's happening now is 
you know, they're, they're bringing everyone to, obviously we knew this since, you know, episode 331, bringing everyone under the same roof. And obviously that's the goal for all of this, you know, but what, what do you do once you have them all under the same roof? You know, that's the, obviously the big, what if, mm. but I don't know. And maybe, maybe all the pain and torture that happens in the rest of the world as a result of having civilization crumble, maybe that's the counterweight. I don't know. Well, but. you know, let, let me answer that. I think, you know, well, at least try to answer it. You know, like the good hand, they, they, they didn't need, you know, to go through all this trouble to bring pain and misery to the world. You know, like we've seen, you know, the king die and, you know, plagues ravaging the land and, you know, a hundred years war. And of course, the conquest by Ganishka, you know, all these things were accomplished with not a lot of effort, you know, like, you know, the, what says the emperor of terror and, you know, Windham turned into a demon city. You know, these things happened without much, like, again, much effort from the good hand. I mean, comparatively. So, you know, I think these things, these emotions that thrive on, like you said, you know, it's not enough for them. Or at least they, you know, they are seeing bigger than that. So that's why I'm thinking, you know, to me, the, the point of, you know, uh, how to say, creating fantasia or at least bringing, you know, the world back to how it was, you know, maybe a thousand years ago or maybe two thousand years ago was, you know, they want to change something to the world. They want to change it in a way that they can control or change it in their image. We have seen that, you know, you know, beforehand, before, you know, the Godin were confined to the, the astral world, then, you know, Jose Femto was incarnated, and now, you know, with the advent of Fantasia, there's Falconia who's back, of course, but, you know, the, we saw that it seems the other member of the God Hand came into the world as well. So I think, you know, either they're trying to, you know, remake the world in that image, you know, to destroy everything else but mankind, so that would give them absolute control over the world, or they're trying, you know, specifically with mankind to, you know, isolate it from the rest, from, you know, those elements that might parasite, you know, people's feelings. Like, I don't know, even just elves, you know, kids playing with elves, you know, being, you know, shown, you know, something else like Guts, you know, who, you know, when he met Chich, you know, you know, to have these feelings, to see that the world is not just purely bad, you know, actually, that's a good point, but uh, whatever. So, yeah, I think that's their play, you know, either to control humanity or to control the world itself. But I don't think these mere feelings of you know, despair were enough for them. Well, yeah, well, we discussed it before, the idea that, like, you know, maybe it's like they're trying to remake the world as it used to be, like, a more magic world, but with them in control of it. Like, yeah. It could be so, as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, so they would remake it, but only to, you know, better destroy it. You know what I mean? At least that's yeah. why I see it. Like, you know, they brought it back, but to, to demolish it. Because when it was, you know, how to say... Or make it, it had, in their own image. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It had faded, but, you know, it was not... Maybe it was out of their reach or whatever, but now they can. They brought it back to, you know, I, I don't know, break what was there and remake it in their image or something of the sort. But, yeah, that's one of the, of the how to say, the leads I have on it. I also... I mean, it makes you... It made me think of something silly, which is an idea of, like, if there was, like, a different, you know a different realm or territory for each of the god hand on par with like Falconia for Griffith, you know, Voidalvania or something. <laughs> well, you know, actually it's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because the world is pretty big and, uh, yeah. you know, of course Falconia is huge, but it's just, you know, one city. And so it seems, you know, like it can contain, you know, let's say all the people of Midland, but that's still not, not much, you know, like compared to the whole world. So we don't know yeah. about the rest of the world. I, I don't know if we are going to see it. 
I'm not sure. I mean, that, there was we did get that suggestion that could have just been symbolic to their power flowing into the world, but it did show them like with disti- the, all the God Hand with distinct sort of you know, like yeah. I mean I don't know like a realm or you know an area yeah. that you know represents them you know, but, but like yeah. as if that was spilling into the world. I don't or, know if that's literally going to manifest or if that was just to let you know they're here. Yeah, I think that was more abstract than anything. Yeah. I think that, you know, referred to there, you know, the Sephiroth, you know, or, you know, which, you know, is, are referred to, you know, by Slan, you know, when she, she meets up with, you know, Guts and the Skull Knight. So, but, uh, yeah, in any case, yeah, I think, you know, something of the sort is at, uh, is at play here. I, I think we'll see other regions of the world. I mean, I, th- I think we got a hint of that when, Fantasia first arrived, seeing all the different creatures appear and, and you know elves appearing and yeah, but I mean like well, I just wonder if some of them will be it? like uh, will they be like you know God hand specific regions was what oh. I was talking about. I'm sure there'll be other places in the world like you know Clipoth and all that. You know I just wonder if they're going to be even more places that are overtly sort of like a place of death that would be good for you know Conrad. That would be like a a place where he would so where where would he sure. live? In this world, if he was there, would he yeah. have a place of his own, or would it, or does that not even matter to them? I mean, they might—the whole world might be theirs now. Yeah, a city remade in his image, but you know, I don't know. I feel like it's all very centered on Falconia, and uh, you know, well, I mean, seeing all the regions of the world—that's one thing. Like seeing, you know, I don't know, a countryside or something. Like maybe guts will travel, you know, to and from, but you know. Like, I don't think we're going to see another country that we haven't seen before. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think we're mm-hmm. going to see, I don't know, like, where the USA would be on the the Berserk World or something like that. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, I think that's beyond the scope of the story. I want to see Guts go to Florida. I don't know why. It would just be weird. <laughs> but, uh... I, I, I guess I can I can envision an episode, maybe even just a brief part of it, where... It just shows you what life is like if you're not living in Falconia or Elfhelm, you know, the, yeah. the, the terror yeah. of living on the run, that kind of thing. Yeah, but, well, you know, it's it's actually what I, you know, if you remember back in the day, we discussed, you know, how we envisioned the future for, you know, Rickert. And uh, I said, you know, I would like to see him like at an outpost, you know, and trying to, you know, make do fighting, you know, hordes of enemies and, you know, showing what life is like in the wilderness and, well, we did see a bit of it, you know, in their run to Falconia, you know, their escape, you know, pursued by trolls and such. And yeah. I think we might get, uh, I'd say a better look at it if we see what the back Iraq are, are up to, you know, if we see them, you know, like I said in the thread, you know, up in, you know, out in the woods and fighting for their survival. So I think that might be, uh, a way for us to see it. But yeah, I agree. I would also like to see, I don't know, normal people trying to, you know, cope with this new world. Uh, how long, how much time do you think has passed since the Fantasia event? You know, given the corpses that are, or the, the bodies that are on display, you know, given, you know, all, all the, I guess the hierarchy that has been established. How, I would how say, much time? A couple months, maybe? Yeah. I would say a couple of months myself. Okay. Yeah. Two or three, I'd say. Yeah. Hard to say. Um, the, well, the last thing I wanted to focus on in this episode was, you know, Griffith being in armor, you know, this is prior to the coronation. <laughs> I'm assuming he doesn't have a crown on. It hasn't been referred to at all. Uh, the pontiff made a, a reference to it long ago saying that, you know, I think it was Sonia was checking on his health back in volume 33. And he said, Oh, I'll hang on at least till the coronation, you know, and he had a kind of a vision of what it would look like. And after that, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll finally go to rest or something like that. So obviously he's still around. That hasn't happened yet. Um, 
But I kind of expected once Griffith finally took power in this way that he would shed his old, you know, old armor and do something more glorious or just separate. No, he's no longer he no longer needs to carry a sword next to him. It just seems like just extravagant. It kind of just well, a weird thing, you know? Yeah, I can see him keeping the sword, but he needs like some king's robes or yeah, something. Yeah, like, now we're know. talking. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Well, just- it might be the force of habit, I think. You know, maybe he's maybe he's used to it. Maybe he likes the uh, falcon armor and sword and stuff like that. Well, yeah, it could just be like this is his vanity. I mean, which is I was gonna say for like God hand abstracts, you know, and ideas and things like my goodness, like he like is living inside his own little reflection of himself everywhere. So this really is sort of like this whole city is almost his armor now. It's like this vein, you know, like sort of idea of him. So I don't know what else he could put on you know i mean just yeah something very you know more kingly but i mean would it have like double wings on both shoulders <laughs> and things like uh, that he would probably be you know extremely tacky you know <laughs> he would, i hope he just dresses up like a big bird essentially just <laughs> <looks> terrible <laughs> like, oh, are you sure about this griffin do you think when eisenhower was president was he packing heat in the oval office do you think he had a <laughs> sidearm ready to go just in case Shit went down. <laughs> that would have been that would have been pretty cool, you know. And yeah. uh, I I think you know Roosevelt did, you know, like probably. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Picked, I picked I picked Eisenhower because of his you know military background. Well, you know the senior Roosevelt was you know he was a huntsman and shit like that. You know there's this story where he was shot during a meeting, and he actually continued his meeting. You know, like even though well, he had been shot, it was, a, it was a political speech. It was actually yeah yeah. He's doing it for the campaign. He got shot while on the campaign. Yeah. And he insisted on finishing his speech while clutching his, you know, I think it was his arm. He's, He's a it's okay. Ass. It's just a flesh wound. Yeah, yeah pretty much, yeah. But I, I, my, my answer to why he's still wearing armor was, I mean, maybe he sees himself as the warrior king. Maybe he that, yeah. maybe that's, his, that's his identity. And that's how he came to power. That's how he knows himself. You know, that, that well, falcon helmet, which he's not wearing anymore, was part of his identity as well, you know, so... And maybe we're misreading things because, I mean, there is this undercurrent of, you know, like the the, all the traps and the defenses that this castle has, you know, and Griffith is still in his armor. Maybe in his mind, you know, he's still at war. You know, this isn't peacetime. Yeah. 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 And uh, maybe maybe like I said, maybe he actually goes out and, you know, I don't know, fight, you know, with his troops or stuff like that. I, I don't mean, you know. Like some random dragons and <laughs> yeah, random guys. But yeah, maybe he actually goes out with I don't know Locus and Grunbell and just you know fucks shit up. You know, I would be embarrassed <laughs> for him if he actually did that. Like it's just, well, it's just, it seems beneath him at this point. To, to yeah, me, I, I agree. I agree. But yeah, even you don't scene... want to see a shot of him riding on his horse and then he jumps off it and transforms into Femto like Venom <laughs> and like bites a dragon on the neck. Like, that would or be he embarrassing. Just, he goes through all that effort and then decapitates a troll or something like that. Like, really? I mean, it's just necessary. But he does it with his eyes. Yeah. You know, that's also a reason why he might keep a sword. Like, yeah, sure, he doesn't need it. But, like, let's just say, you know, he needs to defend himself or something like that. Do he, you know, does he actually, you know, I don't know, blow some guy up? You know, it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I have superpowers. Yeah, I, I can bring the dead back. I can also, like, you know, three times like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Maybe it's uh, it's just a way for him to, and like I said, I I think honestly he just likes it. But yeah. uh, who knows? Maybe it's also just for the ceremony, and after that he'll don back his robes, you know, and uh, his weird hat, 
We saw yeah. so and there might be more to it. We haven't seen him in anything else since he's uh, since he was you know first came back and he was naked, but then he had this outfit on, and that's been it. Even when he you know when he transformed back and forth from femto from yeah, this outfit yeah. to femto back to this, so clearly I mean there's something like with locusts, you know how is this armor is a part of him in some more fundamental way, or at least it's compatible with that. And so maybe you know this is it. You know this is just going to be his iconic. You know. He Look doesn't have wait. A, he doesn't have another costume. <laughs> yeah, you know. So his face actually really... zips his face zips down, you know, right down the center. <laughs> no yeah. the whole costume. <laughs> I stole that joke from you, didn't I, Zeal? Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm but that's sorry. fine. That's fine. I actually forgot it was your joke. No, it's all right. Um but I, Sorry, go ahead. I do have a question about that because we know that the armor, you know, if it doesn't transform into his, you know, femto skin and at least you know he can quickly you know get rid of it and then put it back on you know very quickly it seems it made me think of a silly idea that sort of goes along with the whole idea like the area being like this aspect of him do you think the city could actually you know change then sort of as he can change like could this could this yeah could it become like a dark city i don't mean like transformers literally giant robot assemble could the wings, like, could all those wings that are, you know, the shining white, you know, wing fold. pillars, could they turn black? Yeah, they you know, fold essentially. themselves, you know, and close the dome, you know. Close <laughs> the dome, the slaughter must begin. Shut it down. <laughs> uh, actually, I've, never, I've never actually given it any thought. I think someone mentioned it. I mean, I thread, just thought right? of it right now. I mean, it's a totally half-cocked idea, so... Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think the wars are going to transform anything like that. I, I would actually, you know, like maybe the the city closing down or something like that would be cool. But uh, you know, the the wars turning black or something like that, I, I don't see. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of get the the idea. Someone mentioned this in the thread, I think, a couple of days ago. I, I get like where it comes from. The idea. The fact that there's this duality, at least visually, between Griffith and Femto, the white and dark, you know, Falcon, I get that. But that doesn't necessarily have to translate into the city. I think the city is just a representation, you know, it's the good representation. I don't think we need to see a visual motif change or some elaborate thing happen. Well, I, I, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's, it's also just, you know, like, it's architecture. Yeah, it appeared, you know, out of nowhere and stuff like that, but I think, you know, uh, it's still stone, you know what I mean? Sure. So now that it's there, I don't think he can just like morph or anything like that. That would be, you know, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, something of the sort. That's what Griffith wants you to think. But <laughs> <laughs> why do you think uh, Locust took such an interest to Rickert here? You know, we see him looking over, you know, down at Rickert and Owen as they arrive, and he, you know, obviously. Essentially rushes over to, to you know interject. He just, he just likes correcting adolescent boys. Apparently, <laughs> he just likes walking up and telling yeah. them what's what. Like he's just a he's like a high school teacher, yeah. <laughs> born and you know to, to yeah. do that. He likes to impress you know kids. But it's funny actually because uh, Rickert had a reaction that's very similar to Mules. You know when he first saw him, it's like except Rickert knows for sure. You know like right. he's, Rickert, yeah. Rickert identified it, whereas yeah. Mules felt uncomfortable. Yeah, but Rickard knew that he's not human, you know, and there's this shot of his high, of his eyes, you know, and it's, oh. uh, it's very, yeah, he's has the same shot where he's just fucking, you know, Locus, I think it's the most sinister of them all, you know, like, Raksha's a fucking, you know, he's got three eyes and a robe and, and he does his weird shit all the time, but, you know, Locus is just, he looks like a fucking creep to me, you know? Yeah. 
Well, he looks like he looks like Vlad the Impaler or something. You know, I mean, he just looks like he looks like he's a psychopath. You know, like he yeah. looks like a nice guy, but like that, you know, his room is just full of instruments of torture. Yeah. Like that's just sort of the vibe he has. I mean, and he he seems the most noble, and that's why you know he's the most frightening. And of course, we know he's you know completely alien when he transforms. He looks you know purely like science fiction. He actually so looks like. He looks like, you know, a Falconian statue when he transforms, you know, like he wouldn't be yeah. out of place with these big walls, you know, and these curves and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what he does at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, his background is, you know, like some of the other, you know, senior apostles. He has a noble background, you know, the the, yeah. the, the jouster that, you know, was never defeated on the jousting field. Either way, <laughs> on yeah. the jousting circuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, same thing with Grunbeld as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't get that impression from him. I'm not denying that he's evil. I just, I get, I don't know. He seems pretty noble to me. He, he seems like a, I don't want to call him a nice guy, but I don't think uh, he's like a backstabber. You, you, see him a little, you see him as a little more innocuous than we're, you know, like projecting on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I think the nicest of them all is uh, Irvine, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I he's already gone out of his way. Yeah, he actually... He actually does seem like a nice guy. I mean, Locus just seems like, you know, I don't know. He's a uh, he's formal, you know. He's formal. Mm-hmm. He's like, sure, a knight should do like that and stuff like that. But you know, does he care about humans? Does he care about stuff like yeah. that? I mean, he's the one who told Mule, you know, stuff like, you know, soon the new dawn will come. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I I don't think I still think he's pretty sinister overall. Him and okay. Grunbeld are kind of similar, and they're like, yeah, they're. In the, both their background and like their behavior because of that, because they're like knights, you know, or warriors, yeah. you know, very noble. Yeah, it's like, you know, it reminds me of what Guts told Grunbeld, you know, about monsters, <laughs> you know, playing knights, you know, it's, it's pretty much like that, you know, Locus can talk all he wants, but in the end, he's just a monster. I love that line and also Grunbeld's reaction just to immediately try to, <laughs> yeah. to try to kill him, you know, it, it clearly yeah. cuts to his heart, you know, <laughs> well, harsh criticism. Because he's pretty good at pissing people off, you know. I think we can all agree on that. After, like, sword fighting, it's his next best talent. <laughs> Being a, a jerk, you know. <laughs> I didn't have much more to say about this episode. Uh, there's a break for now. We don't have a date coming back other than the summer. So June 21st is the first day of summer, I think it is. So yes. that's the earliest it could arrive, but probably not. Probably more like July, I would guess. But who knows? Um oh. I had something about this episode actually before we wrap yeah. this segment up. But the anything on the sword and the stone there, like the, the it's literally the shot out of Zelda three, like from the cover. <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be representational. I don't think it's like a physical, but particularly with yeah. all the hatching is happening, it's it's talking about the concept of the divine right of kingship. You know what yeah. what power is bestowed a king? Like what is it? How does a king seize power? You know? Yeah, and I, and I think it's a pretty good representation of it. Uh, you yeah. know, the classic tale of you know the sword in the stone, and whoever pulls it will become king. Yeah, so, it's immediately like Griffith is the chosen one. It gets that you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, just before I, I even you know. Yeah, just seeing the panels when we didn't even have the full yeah. episode. Yeah, it's the hatching that gives it away. Even without text, you can tell he's talking about the idea of something, not yeah. a real sword out there somewhere. Uh, what do you guys think is going to go from here? I think it kind of has to be one more Falconia episode, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, well, you know, it would be, you know, it would be a bit weird otherwise because I think, you know, once we well, get, I mean, to they, the- they have to have their conversation. 
Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I think, I think once uh, we get to you know scaling and you know Elfham, uh, things will stay there for a while. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't think we'll be going back and forth too much. But it might be. But you know, and I think if we went back to gut side now, it wouldn't have to be for too long because it would feel weird to just you know would say end you know before Grikat and Griffiths have their meeting, which has been uh, you know what we've been waiting for for a few apps. So is it good now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you just got a message that said I can't hear you, that was from about fifteen minutes ago, and it just oh, went oh, through. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, actually, that's helpful. Because yeah, I just yeah. said I just said weird. So it sounds fine here because you did sound perfectly fine. Okay. Look at the, look at the timestamp on that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, well, that's that's Skype's being just so so nice to us today. Here. Well. So, so yeah, so uh, yeah, just to end what I was saying, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll get at least one more app and, uh, where we'll, we'll get, you know, to see Rickard and Griffiths talk. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll be, this time I'll be interested to, to see, you know, what that, what they'll talk about actually. Yeah. I mean, during, throughout the episode just now, when you're talking about the God Hands plans and like uh, I've said before, I, I try not to think about it too much because I feel like that's something that we're going, we're just around the corner from, getting a true indication of, you know, more, more yeah. than us extrapolating more than us guessing. I, I think it's really close. And I do think it could have the first hint of it could come with this conversation with Rickard, you know, like it could be something as simple as like, well, now you have your kingdom. Now what is essentially the topic, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's uh, we, we might get uh, a hint of what uh, Griffith's future plans are and, uh, it will be interesting. I, actually, I think it will be, no matter how it goes, it will be interesting. It's, you know, I think it's pretty clever of Mira to have done things that way because, you know, like I said in the previous podcast, I was looking forward, you know, almost more to, you know, the castle itself and how things would be the architecture, seeing, you know, the, the bigger cities and, you know, I was to Rickard and Griffith's talk. And now that it's out of the way, you know, at least, you know, in part, well, we can focus on that. So we'll be one back. Thing. Go ahead. Well, one last thing. Did you guys notice that you can, in the background on the very last page, you can see what the what was supposed to be the representation of clouds in the background? Yeah. Of the statue, uh, they look like weird olives, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit strange. It reminded me yeah. of almost of eyes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say eyes as well. I don't know. Now that I, now I'm not sure they're clouds. Now that yeah. I'm looking at that, I don't know anymore. That was the bigger giveaway. It's like they're it's like a grouping of grapes almost or something. No I don't have a fucking clue what that is now. Yeah, uh, you know the thing is, it's just it looks like that because it's a close up shot. But I think they're supposed to be to be clouds. You know, there you know there's a motif where they are rolling up. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, yeah. It's because it's obscured by the text bubble. Yeah, I see now. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, it's like so. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just, but yeah, it's still just clouds. But it, sure. it huh. does look, it does look a bit weird, you know. It's, it goes along with the fact this altar is just fucking, it's fucking tacky, man. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it looks know? like it's out of Las Vegas or something. Hey, yeah. They only had three months to put this together, guys. Give them some, give yeah. them, cut them, cut them some slack. They made, the, they made it instantaneously. I mean, give them a break. <laughs> With the fucking, you know, Griffins on, on, on the side, you know, oh, Jesus Christ. And do you running. think, do you think Griffith was there when they were constructing it? No, 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 make me bigger. No, 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 bigger, <laughs> brighter. More, more, more wings. More, it's like, more birds. Kidding? More birds. <laughs> uh, yep. That's the episode, guys. Uh, we'll be back to talk about 336 as, as soon as it lands. Uh, until then, look forward to our rereads.
Speaking of which, I don't think we can make much progress into Volume 9 mm-hmm. today, given that it's been an hour and 20 minutes of this, uh, of which I'll probably have to cut about five or six minutes. We really got a lot out of that episode, actually. Yeah, way, way more. Uh, more than double what I thought we were going to have. And so, I, I mean, I have a lot of Volume 9 prepared. I could go right now, but just looking at my notes, there's no way we could even do half of it by, you know, the next 30 minutes or so. There's no way. It would, it would take us an hour and a half to get through half of it. So mm-hmm. I, I think we should reconvene. It's fine. Let's let do it on the 14th. And uh, since there won't be an episode probably, you know, before no. Griff gets back from his honeymoon, it should be, it should be all right. Yeah. Cool. And we can probably do volume nine in one sit. If it's, if, it, if the whole episode's focused on that, I think we can easily do that. Yeah. I think, I think moving forward, these are all going to be single episode things. I don't, I don't think at the pace where we've been moving, I don't think we can do an episode and a volume reread anymore. It's just, we, we get, we get too detailed, too, too bogged down. Not, not that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying scheduling yeah. wise to keep the episode under three hours, it has to be. Separate. Yeah. Otherwise it's, yeah. they're all going to be like three and a half hour episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I mean, we should also consider that. We don't have an endless amount of volumes to do, so you know it might be you know for the best to do more 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 podcast episodes, you know, in uh yeah, space it out. Shorter. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, after we finish this reread, we're just going to do another reread where we go episode by episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to get real deep. Mm. Well, guys, I guess that's it. Uh, I mean, we can talk about other stuff. I got some. I got some time. I have a babysitter downstairs. We're set. Uh, we can talk about Dark Souls. We can talk about Star Trek. We can talk about fucking X Men, which I've now seen. Uh, oh yeah, did you I'll see that as? Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, I plan to. We but, might have uh, some uh, good bonus material here. Because uh, uh, yeah, X Men. I don't know. I come back and forth on that. I think. Wait. I- first of all, are we discussing X Men with Azil still here? Oh wait, he hasn't seen it. Never mind. Uh, oh, I was just say generally. I guess I agree with my statement, not to bias him, you know. But yeah, that it's sort of a perfect seven where it's like I want it to be better. I don't think it's worse. And so I sort of go back and forth with whether or not, you know, I think it's, it's really good or I'm disappointed. Well, you know, I have a question for you guys. And should I see it in the theater or just wait for it to be on uh, VOD? Whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no big visual spectacle this time, I don't think. So, yeah. Oh. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm almost I mean, disappointed. Well, I mean, if you, I mean, if, is there something bigger at the theaters than like an, an X-Men movie? I mean, you know, if it's like if you're a comic book fan, you know, of our age, like, it's something I went to see. It was either that or Godzilla, and it was like, well, you know what? I grew up watching X Men. Godzilla just seems like a sort of a like a spectacle right now. I wanted to see if they did a good job with this. Uh, I felt more of an obligation to see this movie. I guess I'll put it yeah. that way. I felt like if I saw Godzilla, I would have nothing to think or say about it. Whereas X Men, I was yeah. filled with like you know all this other you know criticism, comparing it to the comic, talking about yeah. it with you guys. Like Godzilla, you have a wealth just... of background information, you know, to draw upon for that. Plus, I mean, fundamentally, I don't give a shit about big robot or monster movies. They've never done anything for me at all. So I'm just, I'm not, not tied to the genre. So I don't, I don't care about a modern update to it at all. So what yeah. do you mean? What do you mean? You mean you don't like Gigantomachia? <laughs> Busted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Uh, I like to, I like episode four of Gigantomachia a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, you know, you still break my heart, but uh, yeah. Now I can understand what you mean. So I, I think you know, 
Uh, you know, generally speaking, giant, you know, robot and giant monster shit has a potential. You know, it has always a potential to be awesome just because it's fucking giant stuff, you know, fighting each other. So, yeah, I like that Godzilla 1997, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen, you know, there's a think French I've ever guy. seen Jean, Jean Renault, was it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Isn't yeah. it too embarrassing himself? <laughs> Is he actually French or does he play French? Oh, no, he's actually French, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, in The Professional, he plays an Italian hitman. Yeah, yeah. With well, a French that, accent. Yeah, but that's a, <laughs> that's a movie by a French guy, too. You know, Luc Besson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They, they, was they it, was it just a total French production? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually, yeah. Yeah. So that's like in the bad American like productions where it's like, oh, here's our French guy. And he's just like some dude from Texas. <laughs> well, you know, or, you know, Patrick Stewart, you know, for example. Yeah, of course. <laughs> John yes. Luke. Oh, John Luke. <laughs> What's funny is they always progress. have the... Are you guys speaking you know, a lot once? Sorry. I was just saying Azil's made a lot of progress. Yeah, aren't you like halfway through the next generation? Oh, actually, I'm, I'm in season six now. You're halfway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm watching seen, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you saw that you've seen the inner light then. And uh, fuck, I don't remember. <clears throat> you know, I don't pay attention to the titles too much because okay. they're shown for such a short time. see the one where the Enterprise, the starts with the Enterprise coming across an artifact and then Picard collapses? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he, you know, say he lives a life, you know, yes. as another guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's my favorite, that's my favorite episode of the whole series. Oh, really? Yep. That was the one. Well, you know, yeah, I liked it. I'm not sure I'd say it's my favorite episode. I was hoping you would just be like, oh, I thought it was just filler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, I I mean, it's just, you know, I'm not sure, you know. I'm sure I'd say it's my favorite episode. I mean, actually, I'm sure it's not, but... It's a unique episode. Yeah, what do you like so much about it? I'm curious, actually. I think it's a great, I think it's a great sci-fi concept that just happened to be taking place with the Star Trek cast and the Star Trek environment. Well, that yeah. Almost transpose that to almost any sci-fi setting in it. I just think it's a cool idea to live out a, a, an entire life as someone else and then to carry those experiences back into that, you know, pre-existing life. And he has yeah. all the memories, all that. All that. I think it's a great concept. Actually, I agree, and uh, it reminded me of the original series where they would have, you know, actual science fiction writers who would just write scenario for one episode or just adapt to one of their yeah. novels or short stories. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me, it reminded me of that, and I agree, it's a great concept. And I also think it's uh, it's very well acted on the part of uh, Patrick Stewart, actually. Oh but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, he even said that was his favorite episode whenever he was asking an interview. Well, I'm not surprised because he, you know, you can tell he he he, he acts well in it and he, he liked it. But uh, yeah. but yeah, like Griff said, it's not really. I mean, it doesn't have a big part in the continuity of the series itself. Oh yeah, so. it's almost disconnected from Star Trek. Other than yeah, the fact he's yeah. A- He's a well, commander, like, or, you, know. you know, there's many of the episodes that you can take, you know, like some of them feel like they're just, you know, pretext to have an adventure, a specific adventure take place. And you could just change the guys with, you know, another cast and it would still work. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, it, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. So you've also finished, uh, I guess, Unification. At the end of season five, you see Spock, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually, no, it's, uh, it's at the beginning, I think, it's early on, oh, it's, okay. uh, yeah, it's early on in the, in season five, it's to commemorate, uh, Gene Roddenberry's death, I, I'm pretty sure. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was nice, but, I don't know, it feels forced, you know, I even saw the, the episode with Scotty, you know. Oh god, that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 
It's almost like an excuse to bring him on the set, you know. It's basically yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much just that. And we spoke. It it felt also like that a bit, you know. I I still feel, you know, I'm comfortable with the way they're handling. I don't even remember. Like, was Spock still supposed to be just? He's just supposed to be alive still, isn't he? Yeah, he's just because Vulcans live so long, you know. He's like 200 years old, and and yeah, he's just an ambassador, you know. He's on Romulus because he wants to bring the Vulcan ways to that to to them, you know. So it's a bit, you know, it's a bit awkward to me. I, I always feel a bit, you know, strange about how the how to say how the handles the references to the original series, you know, where you know, I, I mean, the, there's barely been ever a mention of you know Kirk in this series. You know, they talk a bit about Spock, you know, mostly to say, you know, like you know, Picard was at his wedding, you know, but that's that's it. Like he doesn't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> and uh and yeah and they never talk about Kirk where he's supposed to be you know like the, the most fucking famous you know yeah. like legend yeah, yeah he's in a fucking all of Starfleet. yeah pretty much you know and they're like yeah you know like Picard himself while he's still in command he's a say you know he's being studied at the academy you know like some stuff he did but fucking Kirk who like you know did everything and pioneered everything and that kind of shit he's pretty much unknown you know so i i don't know it feels it feels a bit awkward to me even when Picard, you know, I lived a completely other life, you know, as another man. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Kirk did that back in uh, season two, episode five. Yeah, read it in your <laughs> Starfleet manual. <laughs> he did that like three times. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like the way they did that in terms of not referencing the original series, I think they probably did it to set themselves apart from it, to, well, to not yeah, rely te- on I mean, the history. Yeah, that's why it's so awkward when they do reference it because they sort of – you can tell there's a conscience effort to be its own thing and to sort yeah. of keep a barrier there. And then when they do reference it, it's like, oh, well, this doesn't belong. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the Scotty episode was the the most painful part to me in terms of referencing the original series because he's brought on board and he's treated like basically an old retiree where it's like Jordy's like bro- – you know, he does not – you don't see his eyes roll because the visor, but they're rolling, you know, yeah, as yeah. he's <laughs> on the bridge, you know. Like, would you really be treating this basically – essentially a living legend in you know, Starfleet engineering – you know, would you really be treating him with such a disdain? And even if he is a little backwards, I, I doubt it. You know, it was a little Yeah, awful. yeah. Even, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, well, you know, I think again, it's like Griff said, they wanted to set themselves apart, but I, I don't think they, they did that, you know. I don't think they handled it, you know, very well. And uh, as far as, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the last one I saw actually was uh, Rascals, where, you know, Picard and some of the guys are turned into children. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, that was, you know, yeah, another great oh. sci-fi concept, you know. Oh, oh my God. yeah, just yeah. really high high concept stuff there. Like, and, what uh, if Picard was a little that, boy? You know... <laughs> yeah, for Is he much. a little bald boy? I don't remember this one. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> no, not. Check, check through his hair and, you know, at some point, like, there's, you know, a few shots where you see the kid touching his hair and he's like, you know, and when she reverts back, first thing he does is touch his, you know, bald head and you can, you can tell he's not. Very happy with that, but that's, that was pretty funny. But that's pretty much the only good part, you know, in the, in the whole thing. <laughs> what you distorted? Breaking up. Sorry. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah you just broke up a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad I, though. I, if if it worked perfectly now that we were shooting the shit, that would be kind of annoying, you know, on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyways, but, uh, the, 
yeah, go ahead. I wanted to ask you, like, how are you handling, like, did you watch Star Trek Generations, for example, or do you have to wait until after you see all of this, you know, the new, the next generation series before well, you watch you know, that movie? Or have you seen all the movies of the original cast already? Uh, I've seen all the movies with the original cast. I saw them before starting to watch genera- uh, what's that, uh, the next generation. TNG, yeah. Because, uh, at first I thought that, you know, took place before, you know, and then I saw that some of them, you know, actually were made, you know, while the series was ongoing or even after it. So, but it was yeah. too late, but it didn't spoil but, anything. You to know, me. it's not, it's not really wrong either. Like, even though some yeah. of the, like there was that overlap where the, the movies and the TV show were on at the same time, but chronologically, yeah, you should watch all the original cast movies first. It's just generation yeah. is like the weird one. Yeah, and, uh, and exactly. And actually, I didn't, I didn't see it yet because I wasn't sure. You know, when I saw it at the two cast, I thought, you know, maybe I should watch it before TNG or maybe not. And so, because I wasn't sure, I haven't seen it yet. So I would say just, watching it after is probably the, the yeah. you did the right thing. Yeah, so I'm just going to you, wait. Maybe if you never watch it, that would actually, I was be about to say. That, would, that would be the most right thing you could do. Why, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I don't it, think... just take that. Just take that awkwardness and extend it to two hours. <laughs> oh my God! Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, uh, I haven't liked any of the TNG movies at all so far. I've only seen. I haven't seen the last one they made, Nemesis. I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I saw that one in theaters. Oh, it was mm. bad. I didn't even. I didn't even see like the one before it, like Insurrection, because it just looked so bad. And then Nemesis was. Yeah, that that was oh. the end. That was when you First... knew they weren't going to do anymore. First no. contact seems okay, and then it gets—I don't know—it gets super awkward and weird. I don't. Well, like you know it what? Very much. It's that was the one everyone was like, "Oh man, this one's really good. This is the good uh, you know, next it's generation okay. movie." But it's like it's really that it's just not bad. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And I think oh. Red Letter Media did one of their like episode one style reviews on it. Where they just pointed out, like, yeah, everyone <laughs> raves about this one, but you know, yeah, because it's not like a terrible movie, <laughs> it's pretty much what it gets credit for. And they just I point saw, out that, like, no, ahead, basically sorry. any like good Borg episode from Next Generation is better than that movie. Oh yeah, easily. I saw Star Trek Six uh, in the past couple of weeks again. I, ha- I hadn't seen it actually. <clears throat> hilariously, I had a. Uh, I think, it was, I think it was 11 years old. The or undiscovered 10 years old. country. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was at the video store right before I had a big birthday party, and my dad's like, what do you want to rent for your party? I'm like, oh, man, Star Trek. That sounds cool. Let's rent that. So I rent a Star Trek 6 for my uh, fourth <laughs> a bunch grade of old people birthday party. Having political debate. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's mostly a bunch of dry, super dry, no soundtrack discussions in rooms with old people. Like, with Shakespeare <laughs> references, you know, like, yeah. with Shakespeare, yeah. <laughs> while we yeah. have war games, but like, you know, in a way that's totally unappealing to kids. <laughs> that party was a fucking blast. <laughs> <laughs> that redefined so, the rest of your life, and here we it are. It really did. Yeah, as the <laughs> so, guy that can't pick good movies for parties. <laughs> um, actually, I really liked it. Uh, I, I, again, I hadn't seen it since I was 10 years old, so it was mostly fresh to me, except for Floating Blood, which I remembered. But other than that, it was all pretty, pretty high level stuff. I mean, all around. Yeah. It was, it's a, pretty it's well a done. pretty smart movie. That was like the big redeeming farewell movie for them because, yeah, like Star Trek, uh, The Final Frontier didn't work out, obviously. It's like mm-hmm. been just an almost franchise killer. Wait, wait, which one was that? The fifth one? The, yeah, the fifth one. Yeah, the yeah. One with Spock's brother. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, they're going to go meet God. And, the yeah. God entity at the center of the galaxy. You know, honestly, I found, you know, I think it's what I told Walter the other day, but, you know, I, I you know, got the impression from you know, various references that the wrath of Khan was supposed to be pretty good where it actually sucks. And I, I think, out of, you know, out of all what? the <laughs> Out of all the movies, honestly, the, the two best ones to me are the first one and the, the, the Undiscovered Country. You know, I think they're, they're the two, yeah. you know, the two best ones. Uh, and Wrath of Khan. You just, you just went nuts. I don't I know like, I don't, I don't like, I mean, I think Wrath of Khan's okay. I haven't it's, seen it. It's recently. very much just like an adventure movie though, you know, where they're fighting, you know, Khan. It's, it's like more of the base, you know, like comparing it to the original Star Trek episodes, like the first movie is like, you know, wow, they're really trying to do the high-minded concept of Star Trek. Uh, you know, and it, and, it, and it had like problems like with pacing and at the box office. So then they're like, well, we're just going to do one where Kirk, you know, fist fights, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead, you know, the equivalent of that. I saw um, Into Darkness uh, again recently because it was, on, it was free on, on Netflix, I think it was. And I had it on in the background and I was taking care of my son. Yeah, it's still a pretty, pretty bad movie. Uh, I saw it in theaters and I saw it again recently. I, I really didn't care anything about it at all, which is too bad because the first, uh, you know, reboot movie was pretty damn good. I thought, yeah, I mean, actually it's sad because now Abrams is moving on to star Wars. It means the third star Trek movie is probably going to blow because it's going to be some, uh, other fresh face director given the helm. Well, the guys are getting to direct it. I think worked on the first two, but he was like a, yeah, uh, I think he was one of the writers. Yeah. He wrote the okay. script. So, you know, I don't think there'll be much difference there, you know. I don't think Abrams actually brought much to, to the Star Trek movies. He's, you know, he was always a big fan of Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't think he was ever into the spirit of Star Trek, so. Yeah, the well, only clearly. thing he brought to the first movie was making it like Star Wars. So that's why uh <laughs> that's why I'm excited. Like, yeah, he seems kind of like the guy for the job. I mean, you know, yeah. whatever, however good it can be done. But as far as the franchise of Star Trek, like, you know, everyone, I mean, not everyone, I've heard talk about, oh, they need to make another TV series. Like, I'm fine with just them resting on their laurels at this point. They, I don't they want had them a to, really good run. I mean, I can't think yeah. of any other franchise that had like four successful TV series. I'm saying just, than, like, even after TNG, just let's forget the rest and just say it was a good series, you know? Hey, hey, don't sleep on Deep Space Nine. I could, I, I watched Deep Space Nine when I was little, and all I remember is a Ferengi at a bar a lot. A lot of that. Quark. Don't make fun of Quark. <laughs> Don't make light of him. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, you're going to have a lot of fun when you watch Deep Space Nine. I guarantee it. That's, you know, is that, that is, that's Star Trek at a bar. That's like the perfect, actually, metaphor for it. That's the description. It's Star well, I, Trek after a few drinks. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, one of my coworkers, you know, when I told him, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a nerd, you know, he's the kind of guy that goes lapping, but doesn't really know much about stuff. I don't know. He's a, he's a bit weird, but anyway, nice guy. And, uh, I told him for, uh, a joke that I was watching, you know, <clears throat> TNG, and he said, Oh man, that sucks. You should watch Deep Space Nine instead. And I was like, Well, you know, all right. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know what to make of it, but I think, uh, I will watch it. <clears throat> Voyager, you can kind of put in that whole generations, next generation movie like pile. <laughs> Maybe don't watch it. They're elective. And what about uh, Enterprise? I didn't. I never saw Enterprise. 
Yeah. Well, apparently it's not, uh, I don't know, you know, it's hard to, how to say it's hard to trust reviews, you know, online. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this is too yeah, far I did, for I mean, me. I heard, I heard kind of mixed things about it. I mean, I guess it lasted for a couple of seasons. Yeah, I think it lasted four seasons. You know, that's a crazy thing. Like, all these seasons, all these series lasted like, you know, seven seasons. It's fucking crazy, man. Uh, so anyway, I think I'll take a break after, you know, the next generation, you know, I, I'll, you know, this has taken, you know, too, way too much of my time. Yeah, that's a big one. Next generation. So, yeah, anyway, uh, you know, to, conc- I concur with what, you know, Walter was saying earlier. I, I think, you know, Star Trek is, you know, they had a good run. They, they probably should just, you know, I don't know, let it rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nah, they gotta, I don't know what they're going to do, though, if they're going to try. Probably when these movies, you know, become unprofitable again, they'll try to do another TV show. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it probably makes sense. Uh, you know what I should do? I should watch that uh, that documentary you told me about Trekkies, you know. Yeah, check out Check for Trekkies for a laugh, mostly. It's certainly not a serious <laughs> documentary. It's just exploring yeah. the dark underbelly of Star Trek culture. Yeah, it makes fun of, uh, of Ritaz, essentially. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The worst kind of nerds. Well, uh, they're not Warhammer nerds, but they're they're pretty nerdy. <laughs> uh, back to three thirty-five, real quick. <laughs> I just noticed something. Uh, <laughs> this is this is just off the air stuff. At this I point. still have it open. Um, yeah, that's actually why I noticed. I'm just kind of thumbing through it as we're talking. Uh, the page where Griffith, sorry, for where Rickard is surprised or he yells out Griffith, you know, and Owen tells him to hold back. It's when the spirits are first starting to come down. You see Charlotte's reaction, and she looks like shocked or surprised, as if this is the first time she's seen this spectacle before. Whereas Sonia, she's seen it before. The Pontiff looks like he may have seen it before, but Charlotte, I think her she, reaction is supposed to be kind of on par with the Pontiffs, where she's sort okay. of just like awed by it still. Yeah, I agree. She has seen it before. Okay. I agree. It, it, it made me wonder how much she knows about Griffith's powers, you know, and how supernatural this guy actually is. That's all. Well, I think she would know, you know. Oh, she knows I, I, better. He's supernatural <laughs> in bed. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason all those souls look like sperm. <laughs> oh my god, you had to do it, right? You had. We yeah. we didn't see the scene just before this where Griffith was using his hand to summon the souls, you know, from uh, <laughs> portal. Yeah. You know, you know what also- if you know. What if Rickert, you know, by yelling at, you know, how to say, distracted Griffiths and, uh, those souls are turned into specters, you know, same ones that, uh, haunt guts, you know. <laughs> ah, blood, a body, yeah. wow. You know, there's a guts in my mind now leaning against one of those pillars going, that's appropriate since this whole thing is a big jerk off. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of his special talent for offending people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of ran through my head as I was watching or reading the episode as well. Just seeing all the defenses is basically like, well, how the fuck is Guts going to get past that? You know? Well, like, he you just know. walks the stairs. <laughs> oh, he's meant to stop, you know, some giant shit, not a single man, I think. Well, and that's funny too, like, uh, at the beginning, Rickard is just tired from going, <laughs> like, we just see yeah. him, like, exhausted, having to make his way. Yeah, it's so bad. It's so fucking tall, man. Just ridiculous. Well, I also well, like it's... the incense canister they had in the middle. That was a nice little detail for like this, you know, obviously sort of like it looks. I mean, it's very much like a Catholic ceremony. Yeah, yeah. I, I made a note of it as well. It is interesting that he threw that in there because you only see the one of them, but it makes sense. A bunch of bodies around. You need to. Yeah, it's just yeah. a it's a very pragmatic detail. 
Uh, Dark Souls. I beat it. Uh, yeah, I jumped back in. I found a new area, which is what was, you know, jamming me up. The problem is, is that, you know what? The teleporting from the beginning, you, I never walk through areas that I've already been through or, you know, especially like <clears throat> the connecting areas. And you kind of mm-hmm. have to do that to find new areas that open up and things for certain spots. Yep. So that's kind of that's kind of a weird design thing. Like you're the way the game is designed is it's sort of you if you just play it like as efficiently as you might, you're just going to keep warping to points that aren't going to help you find new places. Yep, I, I I completely agree. I actually hated the warping mechanic being introduced initially because in Dark Souls One. You get it eventually, but that's after you know the lay of the land. You know, and that's the, probably the, after you know you've already opened things up, you know, adequately. Yeah. You've already okay. explored <clears throat> the bulk of the world, and you know where things are and how they connect. And then you get a shortcut. This way, it's here's a shortcut to a bunch of islands. You know, maybe, maybe I should go, like, guys, if you want to talk about Dark Souls. I don't have anything specific to say. I was yeah, I'm not going to say any spoiler stuff. I mean, just maybe game. I mean, my I changed my guy from being a pure dex guy. I respect him, so he also has magic powers, and it's really cheap because I it? still have all my dex prowess. It's just all my misspent points I pumped into like magic and miracles, and so now he's like this, you know, like uh, curved sword user slash uh, hex caster. Jeez, what you know. what suffers in your stats to get them that balanced? Well, I mean, I basically just, my guy is like level, I mean, I don't know how, your guy's probably much higher now, but he's like level 112. 127 for me. Yeah, you're 127. Okay, so I just basically made everything, I put everything that I had before, I moved, I had everything like at level, at like 25, I just balanced a lot of things, other than the stuff I didn't use, like attunement, and I put way too much into strength before, and I may have on the respect too, I really probably didn't need anything. But, I mean, I was able to, you know, just with the stuff that I used to make things go from 20 to 25, and on most of the stats, 20 is where you hit the point of diminishing returns. Right, it's It'll 40 start to... for diminishing, I thought. Is it 20? No, you can you can see it at 20, like, for your oh, okay. like for your health. Like, it'll yeah. go from giving you 30 a point to 20 a point. And okay. then it gets worse from there, and that's when I sort of go, well, these points would be better spent, you know in something where I'm getting, you know, the bigger boost, you know, to the stats. So now the guy, he still has all his prowess dexterity-wise, but he can also, like, yeah, I can just spam someone with, you know, 20 dark, you know, bombs, you know, like, mm-hmm. just launching them at them. So I, that's uh, fun. I I hit a point where my stats no longer even mattered. Yeah. I, I had such an excess number of souls I would just start literally upgrading weapons. I I barely had any intent. Of using. I'm not going to use these. Yeah, I just wanted to see it. I wanted I wanted to see the numbers go up, basically. <laughs> and because uh, eventually I found basically you know my favorite sword in the game, which is the uh, Murakamo, which is a giant curved sword. I heard it's not the even other one, a, there's another one that's like that that's supposed to be faster. Called the it's the you know the what is the guy the guy you fight, fight at No Man's Wharf. Yeah, yeah. He has like three hey, weapons. We're, we're getting we're getting in a spoiler. Okay, territory. okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry, Az. Azil, if you wanna, I, I don't have anything else planned for the show. If you wanted to head out, uh, I don't. I think we're gonna end the show right after this. So, so get out. He already left. <laughs> he already left. I, I guess. I guess we're gonna be able to. I'm still. Ourselves. I'm still here. No, no, no. I was saying. Ears. 
<laughs> I was saying you should probably leave. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I, I had already, you know, like, but... Uh, he made that mm-hmm. determination. <laughs> yeah, as a headset aside, uh, a, a while back, let's say, but, you know, I was still on hand to to wait until you guys were done. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, no problem. Okay. So uh, We don't have anything else planned for the show anyway. I was going to end it right after the Dark Souls thing, so... Yeah, no problem. So we'll well, reconvene on the 14th is the plan. Uh, Yeah, nothing. Like, I just had to check to see, like, because, I don't know, wedding stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. At every every corner. Well, let's just say this. As long as we get two people together, whoever the two happen to be, that's a volume nine recap. You know, we'll move on from there. All right. Well, you know, see you guys then and uh, have a good day. See you, man. Yeah, it's good talking. I'm going to write a Dark Souls 2 review probably later on today. I mean, I have I already have it like charted out, like what it is I'm going to say, yeah. like a bunch of bullets, things I need to hit. But uh, I, I, you already you already pretty much know. If you've been reading the thread, I've, I've already more or less touched on all the big ones. I just want to put it all in one big post. I feel like it's necessary for a game I care about so much. Yeah. But uh, I think Dark Souls 1 is without a doubt a better game, except for combat. Like combat feels so much better and more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to go back to Dark Souls 1 for sure. It's like a a Mass Effect uh, 2 versus Mass Effect 1. Yeah, it's a good comparison, actually, because the combat improved so much in 2. Going back to 1 feels like pew, pew, pew is what you feel like in Mass Effect 1. But, uh, yeah. You know, Mass Effect 2 disappointed me in every way, including making it so it was hard to go back to the first one and enjoy it, too, where it's like, wow, you actually made me not like that one because the combat is so much worse, (laughs) even though I like everything else better. It is amazing how uh, most people think Mass Effect 2 is a better game, uh, apart from like us, apart from our little group. Everywhere I read is that Mass Effect 2 is the best in the franchise, whereas I don't see how that's possible. To if me, you don't, it's the, if you, the least of them. Yeah, I mean, because it, it doesn't do jack shit for the story of the, of the universe at all. It's a holding it pattern for anything. Three. I felt like the, the gameplay, other than the combat mechanics, are just is they simplified it and streamlined it so much. It's rudimentary almost, where it's like now it's yeah. just a shooting game. Whereas the well, first one, it was sort of – it was a little more open. It also does the thing where I hate in class-based games where they make every class viable to play. And I don't mean that a class should be impossible to play. I think that they should all feel unique. Like it's kind of, it's kind of like an RPG when an an enemy is weak to both lightning, ice, and fire. So why should I pick one? What's the fucking difference? You know, if they're yeah. all equally weak to the same thing, why should I pick a soldier versus a vanguard? There's, if there's gonna... nothing. I mean, like you know, everyone complains about balancing issues, but you know, some things can be worse than others. You know, like yeah. guys can have advantages. Where totally. I don't know, they they try to do that too much. Where it's like, oh, everyone has to be equally good. Whereas, like, I feel like part of the fun of Dark Souls is you could you could probably make a really broken build if you wanted. And then oh yeah, to totally. There's like ninety points in attunement. I can equip thirteen <laughs> spells, and that's all you get. You know, and they're and they they don't work very well because I have not much yeah. magic. <laughs> you know what I noticed later on in the game when I was summoning, uh, mostly for fun at that point in the game because I'd already beaten most of the bosses. Um, I realized the people I was summoning would have the Cestus equipped, which is that fist weapon. So there's punching things and they had it bulked up so much that they could take out most enemies in one hit. Like even like big ass enemies, like those big, uh, elephant type tusk, tusk enemies. Oh, those hit. guys. Yeah. It was crazy. So I guess it's a broken weapon in the game. I haven't experimented cause it's a strength build. I don't have a strength build, but apparently that's one of the most broken weapons in the game. 
Huh. I also heard one of the, like, basically what we were talking about with the, what is the guy? He's called, like, a Flexol or something. The, yeah, the guy with two bodies. Soldier. And, yeah, yeah, uh... All of his weapons seem really great too, to the point where people were like, "We're saying like there's the warp sword, which is sort of the small, you know, curved sword, but he also has a giant uh, yeah. sort of katana-like weapon that's like supposed but, to be the fastest of the large cur- of the great curved swords." The trouble is, it scales with strength, and all mine are in okay. decks. So the thing has oh, so two. The so one the, you got the, scales in decks. Correct, and it's not even that great. Like, I think what they're meant to be used is a dual-handed thing. So you're meant to hold one in your primary and one in your secondary. But to, to accomplish that, you'd have to have some crazy stat. It's like a, that's like a next game plus stat. Like you'd have to have like 40 strength and 40 decks to wield those appropriately. And I don't, I don't have that. So maybe like it's a, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe I'll eventually get there, but I have your the warp level, sword you know, up. 200, you could do that. You yeah, know? totally. Right now I have a, well, with a warp sword up to like four out of five and it's okay it's, it's not it's not very good as a primary weapon it's more of a dual hand or offhand weapon i think i'm still using my uh i've got like a level 10 shimitar yeah well once i got the katana i i cast my scimitar and then once i got the murakamo i threw everything else away because it, it has a base damage of like 450 without scaling it's insane it just what? and it has this huge range this massive massive range and it just after I realized how powerful, I was like, "Why did? Why do I even have these other weapons?" So I had a, I had a poison rapier on. Uh, I don't think you've gotten there yet. And I think towards the midpoint of the game, you get to a point where you're facing enemies that are have lots of really high defense, and just simply hitting them over and over is not enough. Like you have to do damage over time. And so I had a poison rapier, and that just like basically just you watch them melt as you stab them. So you so, got to have like bleed damage, or you yeah, know, you have to have some kind of supplement because base damage itself it'll take too long to whittle someone away. Well, that day. was another yeah. reason I decided to get like my guy down with some magic because I figured then mm-hmm. I can buy spells and things to at least you know cast stuff yeah. on my sword or throw it you know on them so that while I'm fighting them they're also getting weaker in another way. Because yeah, I was running into some stronger. Oh yeah, magic weapon. Magic weapon and great magic weapon and Dark Souls 1 were hugely important. Like, it, it makes your damage go up by 25%, I think it is, which is pretty big once you get to the bigger numbers. That's a pretty significant number. And yeah. uh, as long as you have the intelligence to cast it, I mean, I would use that on almost every fight. You know, it's great. Yeah, I always uh, – I get into an area and I take out my my bone staff and then, you know, cast it on the sword and then put on – I've got like basically a token shield. It's like no, one of those cool. small bucklers. With point yeah. three weight, so I can just you know if I have to throw it up, I will. But I try; I don't even think about it usually. So I'm in New Game Plus now. Um, after you beat the game, it allows you to continue playing, which is weird. It's like it puts you back in Majula, and it's like keep playing if you want, or you know talk to the uh, the bonfire there in Majula, and they'll let you you know go back to New Game Plus. It gives you an option for it. Whereas Dark Souls One, you beat the game, it ports you directly to New Game Plus. So if you missed anything, what is the what is the you can you can go back and sort of yeah you can find every secret before you go to New Game Plus. Exactly. I mean, it, it makes sense because for the DLC for Dark Souls One, you had to be at a small window of time to access it. Whereas if they add DLC to Dark Souls Two, as long as you've beaten the game and you still have a character that hasn't yet reset to New Game Plus, you have the accessibility to the there. entire world. Yeah, totally. So it makes sense, but I already I started. Heard New Game it. Plus is a little different than just like the normal it game, is. but like boosted up. Like they, that some things are super cheap, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's it's it's, it's it, it is hilarious. Like uh, I died. 
think it was six or eight times in the very, very first screen whenever I started New Game Plus. It's because, um, you know, before it's that big field, right? And you just run through it, and then there's a little raccoon enemies after that. Well, in the very first screen of New Game Plus, there's like six or seven of those falcon enemies, and they throw falcons at you. And they just, all three of them, or four of them, come rushing at you at once. And, like, you don't know how many there are at first. So I was like, I'm just taking on one. And then three guys are behind me wailing on me, and I was dead. I'm like, oh, so there's three of them. What the? And then I started taking them off one by one. And then the, the distant guys start throwing hawks at you. And it's just, it's just, it's crazy. It's way more difficult. You have to rethink almost every, you know, major encounter because they throw more enemies at you with different enemies. Uh, just from reading, I know a little bit about how they change the bosses up. Like, um, the last center, they throw th- two enemies casting spells at you while you're fighting lost center, which is insane because the lost center already is super difficult. Yeah. And unless you light those torches up. Right, right, yeah. But now there's two spellcasters on those perches, wailing. Can you go? Can you're... you go and kill them though? I don't. I've never encountered it before. I don't know. I've just read about it. Huh. But that's just an indication of how things have changed. Just more enemies, different placements, things like that. So is that but different I, from Dark Souls One? Yeah, Dark Souls One. They just they made enemies slightly more difficult, and in fact, <laughs> the balance the balance is so wrong that your second playthrough of the game will be a hilarious breeze. Like, it's just like a joke. Like, I'm cutting through enemies like butter because I'd already leveled so high in the first game. So the second game is easy because yeah. they don't scale on it. But the third game, oh, shit. The the scaling is way off. Like, it's like triple hard after that. And then it goes on from there. Like, uh, I think it's Jay's on the forum. He had a new game plus five character, which is like level 500 or something insane. I never got that far. The highest level I have is a new game plus three, and he's a 300-something level character. But uh, at that point in the game, it's not even that fun. Because like, a plain zombie or a hollow takes some, takes some whittling down with the, you know, the end-game weapon, which is just dumb. Well, uh, I'll see you in two weeks. All right. Talk to you later. See you.